This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist John J.P. Parker are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with B.J. and J.P. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And this is BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. Today, we are talking about success worldview. How to build a worldview that's going to set you up for success. Or how to change your worldview so that you can be successful in life. Does that sound about right? Hey, it does. Go ahead. Hey, 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 hey. I'm actually kind of hyper. Yeah, I I, I feel it. I'm actually hyper about this episode. Okay. Because I think that most people think that they're not successful because of the circumstances around them. Hmm. They don't realize that 99% of their success not happening is because of how they view the world mm-hmm. and then how they act on what they view. Go ahead, JP. O- yeah. open, open us up with illustration so we can go ahead and get a little bit uh, interesting for our listeners. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, it's easy for me to just go to like a sports analogy or talk about myself. Low-hanging so, fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. So today we're just going to talk about basketball since uh, it's the go-to for me. Playoff season is upon us, and there is a particular coach, uh, Mike D'Antoni, who coaches the Houston Rockets. His philosophy seems to have been, we're going to use the same game plan, come hell or high water, no matter what's going on, this is what we're going to do. And Mm. sometimes in life, that's good, right? You know, when Mike Tyson say everybody's got a plan until he gets punched in the mouth, so they get punched in the mouth. Go back and watch Mike Tyson. <laughs> watch them punch people in the mouth. Everybody got a plan so they so Mike Tyson punch you in the mouth. Go ahead. Right, right. And so I feel like with Mike D'Antoni, his thing is like, look, I know one thing, and this is the one thing that I know, and I'm going to keep doing this until it works, right? It's like a dad. It's like a dad that has a very limited toolbox, a figurative toolbox, which means he only knows how to do things a certain way. Mm. And when when the child doesn't respond the way he would like the child to, he doesn't have anything else in his toolbox to get that child to do what he's getting the child to do. So what does he do? Beat the kid, right? Mm. Right? Because you got you have a limited toolbox. His worldview is so narrow that he doesn't understand how to motivate the child or to get the child to do the things that he's getting the child to do. So he results to just beating the child. With Mike D'Antoni, um, his rockets seem to be unable to finish a series against the Oakland Warriors, excuse me, I'm sorry, Golden State Warriors, um, because they're moving to San Francisco, so there goes that Oakland. But anyway, um, the Golden State Warriors seem to get the best of the Rockets in the postseason, what they've done in the last, what, three or four seasons, although the Rockets may get the best of them during the, the regular season, which doesn't really matter because the postseason is what you get due to the championships. So as a coach, he seems to think that, hey, if I keep doing the same thing, if I keep plugging away, if my team keeps doing the same things and we run the things that way they should be run, on paper, we should win. In real life, that's not happening. 
So I would say that he doesn't have a success mindset. I, I would say that he has a, a, a limited mindset. He doesn't have a success worldview. His worldview is limited to the idea that if I do something enough, if I do it enough, if I do it well and do it the way it's supposed to be done, it'll be enough to accomplish my goal without realizing that, hey, maybe your best is just not enough. Maybe the mm. best that your team has to offer is not enough to beat these guys. Or if their best is enough, it needs to be done in a different way. So when your worldview is limited, when you don't have a success worldview, you are going to continue to try to do the things that don't work because in your mind you believe that they will work regardless Ooh. of what the results are or have been. Ooh. I didn't mean to skip to the end, but I'm just saying, Mike D'Antoni, you need to do something else. And there's a lot of us listening and talking, which would be me, that need to understand when your worldview is not right, when you don't see things the way you should, when you're affected by negativity or whatever the case may be, your worldview is off and you're going to respond in like manner. Goodness gracious. You know, uh, by way of my own personal mm-hmm. uh, failure to realize I was having a, uh, I was lacking a success worldview. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of moments, bro. I just, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, I got a lot of moments. Um, let's, let's go with this one. Uh-oh. I'm trying to find the ones that don't get me in trouble. Give me emails, <laughs> you know, sit down, talk. Hey, bro, uh, uh, I listen to the podcast. And oh, well, you don't want to be. You know what? You want to call your pastor's office. You don't want you don't want bro, you have to go talk to your pastor. Oh no, I, uh, actually, we uh, we good <laughs> over here. <laughs> we, hey, listen, we we're good over here, bro. So all right, uh, all right. All right. That, listen, that'll never be an issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was definitely trying to start the pot. If if you didn't catch that, but we good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would just say, you know, even even like this, man. I would say, man, I, I have worked for different individuals over the years, and I have found myself thinking, like, man, if I could just, you know, give it my all and work harder. And I think there's a moment, man. If I'm honest. Every time I've gone somewhere, you know, I, if you don't know what I do, I full time on an organization, Build a Better Us, and we are uh, a non for profit, but we create products, resources, and services for the whole family mm-hmm. um, and for the whole person. And mm-hmm. you know, prior to that, man, I've done everything. I've been a lifeguard. Um, <laughs> I've worked with people. I have. I really was. I, I, I couldn't you. swim. Yo, listen. When I started as a lifeguard, <laughs> I couldn't swim. I'm being dead serious. <laughs> Yo, if you was in the water that year, like, by the grace of God, you're still alive right oh, now, right? Man. So, oh, like, I learned how to swim like that. I drove school buses. I've worked with people in prisons. Like, man, I have done a lot mm-hmm. of different things. Um, but I've also been, you know, I've aged out. I've um, have had my skill set, you know, topped out. And I've also been let go of a lot of positions. And I think, you know, one thing that I realized, you know, we're talking about having a not a success worldview. There was a point in time where I realized um, in the areas of being people's diversity champion, uh, I'll, I'll go with that one. I started to realize, you know what, this only goes so far, right? You know, a lot of corporations talk now about how great it would be to change the corporate culture mm-hmm. with diversity. Mm-hmm. And then they proceed to recruit individuals that can speak multiple language languages in that world. And when they do so, 
they don't do it under the guise of, hey, look, listen, we are attempting to give you, you know, this position so that we can save our skin. They, you know, they make it this noble cause that only you and you alone can help them do, you know, save uh, racial relations in, in the mm. country of the USA. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so my lack of success worldview, specifically in this area, was after being in those scenarios, you know, going through training, seeing like suspicious things, being like, hey, if this is such a serious priority, why is there so little funding allotted there? Why is there a not significant change there? Why is this thing? And, and bro, honestly, man, just kind of going along with it for a long time. And I, and I think one day it just kind of hit me that I was willing to kind of play along with it as long as they were, you know, paying a bill. Right. Right? Right. So come on, let's just go ahead and Be listen. Honest. Yeah. Let's yeah. go ahead and do it. Yep. And and yet the whole time, you know, I was longing to see more. I wanted to be the thing that we were talking about. But I was also willing to settle for a lack of success because I was getting a little substance, right? And so one thing I learned that season in my uh, unsuccessful worldview was that sometimes it's not that you don't want success. It's that you'll settle for just making it day-to-day with provisions. You'll create a new goal line, basically, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that, that's one of my um, unsuccessful worldviews. It's just kind of going along with it, even though I knew deep down, you know what? This is not even turning into the thing that you said it was supposed to turn into. What are your, <laughs> what are your moments, yeah. Yeah. JP, when you go, man, I was living with a unsuccessful worldview well bro like the 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 biggest piece of this puzzle for me is is really understanding that i haven't always had clear vision right so if our lens is dirty is if if it's foggy if it's skewed we're screwed right if if we don't have a if we're not looking at the world through clean glasses everything is going to be dark dingy dirty disgusting you follow me on that yes sir and so what happens is what I realized for me when it comes to success worldview, when my view wasn't a success worldview, I didn't put people or even myself in proper perspective. And I'll give you an example. So it's taken me all of seven years of marriage to realize and understand that the way I viewed my wife wasn't a successful view. It wasn't setting me up for success in my marriage. What I mean by that is, I didn't treat my wife as if she was forever. I didn't treat our marriage like if, if it was forever. That's permanence. Right, right. My view on our marriage was that, hey, if she cheats, she can go. If she don't want to be here no more, she can bounce. If she don't, if she feel like some other man is giving more attention than me, curry soup, hey, you curry can soup. Go, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag curry soup. Uh, curry can, soup. <laughs> she she has some go. curry soup. Go ahead. Right, right. Um, but... The problem with that is that I was treating this permanent situation as a temporary thing because mm. I had grown up to believe my worldview for marriage was that, or relationships, period, was like, hey, man, it, girls are like buses. There's another one every 10 minutes. You know what I mean? That doesn't work in a marriage. <laughs> no, that wasn't okay to say. 
No. Go All ahead. Right. No, you're just expressing yourself vulnerably. I'm just saying. I hope somebody, y'all make sure y'all send them the emails. Don't, <laughs> don't send hey. me no email. <laughs> All I'm saying is I was groomed to believe in that mantra, right? And embarking on marriage and being married, that worldview didn't change. So I was having a, my, I was setting myself up for failure un, unknowingly, unwittingly, mm. um, because I didn't have a worldview change. My lens, the lens through which I looked at marriage did not change from being single to married. And because that lens did not change, I was living unsuccessfully. My marriage was moving unsuccessfully. I'm a marriage and family therapist. And because of my worldview being wrong, I was failing in areas that I should have been failing in. And because I didn't treat this thing as permanent, because I still had this this temporary mindset, because I have this this worldview uh, wrong, how I viewed this relationship affected how I was in this relationship. Good. Right? You understand what I'm saying? How we view the world affects how we negotiate and navigate the world. And so the example is like how I view conflict will show how I respond in conflict, Right? Um, like if, if how I view God affects how I respond or behave when challenges or hard times come, right? If I see God as, oh, if if I don't, if I question, does he love me? Uh, does he care for me? Does he have my best interests at heart? Um, is he a punisher? Does he just want to, uh, uh, smack me down every time I sin? If I view God that way, it's going to affect how I, how I handle challenge, right? How, How I handle hard times. And in the same way, like how I view peace determines how I respond to conflict. If I if I see peace as something for suckers, if I see peace as something for people that are wimps, if I see peace as a thing where it makes me less than, it makes me less of a man, when conflicts arise, I'm going to just get worked up. I'm going to want to fight. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so what I'm saying is that in my life, until literally the other day when I realized, man, like I have to have clear vision, bro. Like if my mm. lens is dirty, if my glasses are filthy, I'm going to see the world as a dingy, dirty, disgusting place. Good. But if I change my lens, if I change my glasses, if I change my worldview, if I have a success worldview, no matter what life throws at me, if, I'm, if I understand that, man, I don't have to be in this dead-end job just because I need a check, bro. I'm gonna do something about that, and I'm gonna get off. I'm gonna get out of that situation. Let me let me speak to this man. There's yeah. somebody right now in a dead end situation. When I was a, uh, we were early on married, and um, had my first child at 21, 22 years old. Married though, you got it. And and I wanted to say it. I wasn't just having children. I was married. Not to shade anybody, but I was mm-hmm. married. Mm-hmm. And um, so I go, man. I have to provide for my family. You know, I got a kid at home, a wife at home. You know, I think my wife may have been working around that time. Mm-hmm. So I just went out urgently, found a gig. And I ended up working at, you know, uh, a, um, uh, can I say major corporation? Just, uh, yeah, just, yeah, just put it that way. They might want to sponsor one day. So we just. Uh, okay, yeah. gotcha. I don't want to disrespect. <laughs> I was working at a major corporation. <laughs> If you're listening to your corporation, uh, thank you, John, John redeem Parker. Yourself. Redeem yourself, so, corporation. At C. John Roar. At C. John Roar. And so, the, listen, the job was a couple of different jobs. You know, first I tried out, and because, you know, first I was just going through the newspaper. And I don't know if you, this is back in the day. This is oh, before, cool. like, the internet was pop, popping, yeah. popping, right? That's yeah. how long I've been married. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you can go through. Was there internet when you first got married, bro? Come on. Uh, it was, bro, but it wasn't like, 
you wasn't like looking for a job. Monster was kind of like taking off. It wasn't mm. like that. Oh, Monster. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. People still upload and join on Monster.com. <laughs> um, but no, so I, I was, first I, I started out by just looking through the newspaper, just thinking, I have to provide. Because you're right, I grew up, my parents saying, get a job, get a job, go to school, get a job, go to school, get a job, take care of your responsibilities. So once I had a, a wife and a whole child, I I knew then, oh, I need to take care of my responsibilities. And so looking through the paper and all they had was medical, you know, technicians and services. Couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, forklift drivers. Couldn't do that. <laughs> ATL with a CDL. CDL. Over the limit. Yeah. 18 wheeler mm-hmm. drivers. Mm-hmm. Not able to do that. And, and then this small section saying like, Make up to forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars an hour. I mean, fifty dollars a year. So huh. I show up to this place and come to find out, they want me to go door to door selling vacuums. Mm. And I'm like, was it what? rainbows? Was the rainbows? Nah, nah, it was the oh. Kirby's. Oh, oh Kirby, Kirby, Mr. Kirby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they talked about that. That whole thing with courage. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Kirby went door to door selling Kirby. I'm like, man, this this vacuum is two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best vacuum you can listen. Oh, that man. was like a crazy moment to me, right? So that didn't work out. Finally, I ended up working at said corporation, back to the story. Right. Um, loading boxes. And, you know, something on the back of an 18 wheeler uh-huh. with the scanner uh-huh. on my arm. So you're just gonna, and, you're gonna narrow this down even more? You're just gonna keep yeah. going there? Okay. Hey, okay. Hey, listen, right. I said right. said corporation. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I didn't name the corporation. I, I, I I'm on it. the back of an 18 wheeler truck with the scanner over my arm. Doo-doo. And boxes Doo-doo. are dropping down. This is real life. Doo-doo. And I knew I'm putting food on the table, clothes mm-hmm. on my on my daughter's back. Mm-hmm. Right? One day, probably maybe a couple of weeks going in. After being in the cold on the back of a trailer, mm-hmm. right? A box comes down. I'm scanning it, freezing cold, right? But you know, you got a quota because these boxes are coming. Yeah. <laughs> these boxes yeah. are coming. They ain't gonna stop. And I remember thinking to myself, I have settled all my gifts, all my talent, all the different things. I have given up on growing and developing myself. To being in the back of a trailer with a box. <laughs> Boxes. Now listen. Bo- <laughs> <laughs> You're a little late, but it's cool. <laughs> Thank you, JP, right? Uh-huh. It clicked on me. All of this talent, all this potential, all these dreams. JP, I started feeling like I was suffocating. Because I realized in that moment, I was about to build a life around something I did not desire, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. I was only doing it because in my mind, I just needed to provide. Worldview. My worldview said you need to provide. Mm -hmm. What I did not have in my worldview was how to take my talents, the things that I desired, and learn how to succeed and make the type of income that I wanted to make in order to provide a certain quality of life for my children and my family. And so my worldview at the time led me into the back of a trailer because I had real responsibilities. Yeah. This was not a joke. Yeah. yeah. I had a whole wife and a whole daughter <laughs> and all kinds of bills. Whole family. Right? I had a whole family. Yeah. 
I needed to provide, had dropped out of, out of school, left college several times because it was so difficult, so overwhelming. And I had to make a decision in that moment, this is a true story, as to whether or not I would figure out a way to get a $2 raise in six months mm. and, and then move up the corporate ladder. Again, and shout out to the people who work in those type of positions. Mm-hmm. Some people genuinely enjoy that mm-hmm. and that's their career path. It wasn't mine. Mm. It wasn't mine. But I was settling because I was fearful of having to confront the fact that I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. Mm. And I wasn't prepared intellectually, academically, I'm sorry, to engage a collegiate setting Mm. in a way that would give me somewhat of a breathing room to be able to present my credentials to a variant you know, corporation. And so what I would say is, man, I was miserable. I was frustrated. But at least at that moment, I was saying to myself, at least I'm putting a roof over my daughter's head and I'm putting clothes on her back mm-hmm. and food in her mouth. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that part of this success worldview or lack of success worldview had to do with I was willing to settle because all I had seen my entire life was people do just enough to get by. But mm. I had to decide in that moment and in that day that I didn't just want to survive, I wanted to thrive. Yeah. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman? serve in the workplace? Or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. JP, what's a moment for you that you see, or even just like with clients, or just, mm-hmm. man, this worldview that keeps people from really being Success. Maybe you need to even define success because, like I said, for me, I knew that being in the back of a trailer was not success. How would you define success, JP? Well, I'll I'll do it this way, so so I don't have to be bad cop today, right? Since um, go ahead, bad cop. That seems to be my thing. Um, I'll look. I'll do it this way. The issue with success worldview is that we lack a sense of destiny. And what I mean by that is our sense of destiny affects how we live, how we view the world, how we respond, how we treat others. It motivates or deflates. So if we don't have a sense of destiny um, or if our sense of destiny is skewed, it will either motivate us or deflate us. Um, Mm. What I mean by that is when hard times come, when pressure comes, when you're in the back of that that van with the boxes falling on your head. When you're trying 18 to 18-wheelers. Right, 18-wheeler, right? not van. Oh, excuse me. Yo, you had the big boy. When you're in the back of that 18-wheeler and you're looking around at these boxes and scanning boxes and it's cold outside, if your sense Super of destiny, right, if your sense of destiny is off, 
you will be deflated and you feel like this is all life has for me. Mm. When you have a success worldview, you will have an epiphany. Your epiphany won't be like, oh, this is all the world has for me. This is the epiphany would be like, man, let me use this as a stepping stone into doing something greater. Or, you know what? I just have to let this go and I have to pursue my dreams. Good. It's all about wisdom. It's all about timing. It's all about praying. It's all about making sure that you're that the the goal that you set or the way that you plan to go aligns for um, God's plan for your life or whatever the case may be. But I think that the problem with success vision or successful worldview is that we don't have a sense of destiny. We are allowing the world and life to just have its way with us as opposed to us getting from life what we want to get Good. out of it. Good, JP. Talk that talk. Come on, say that again, JP. I'm saying we have to tell and demand of life what we want from it. Otherwise, life will just have its way with us. It wow. will it will run us over. People will play us. Uh, a, a corporate company will, will, will use us and abuse us. And as soon as we die, they'll put somebody else in that place. And not saying that, you know, all corporate jobs are, are bad or whatever the case may be. But that's just the way the world works. You can give your all to a company or to a business or to whatever. And or the moment, to a faith community. I, and then they suck the... No, 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 no I, I, I'm with you. Go ahead. No, but you, but you have to do it. Or to a faith community mm-hmm. that simply sees you as a cog in a wheel. Yeah. Right? That really just wants you just to be there, has no desire for you to move past the point of you just being simply a piece of whatever they got going on, as opposed to developing you to send you back out into wherever you, your purpose has led you to go. Mm-hmm. Continue on. Go go ahead, JP. Just Listen, sir. Listen I, I want you to be able to get that off your chest. And, and I will Thank add you. that, man, is listen, if you're listening and you find yourself just being that cog in the wheel, notice what happens when you start paying your tithes and offering. Um, but that's another comment and another topic for another day. So what I'm saying is, instead of playing yourself, and being in a situation in which you find yourself just being another cog in the wheel, just being another face in the name and another number, when you have the right view of what your destiny is, when you have a sense of destiny, you will understand that the impact that you can have on this world is much greater than what it currently is. It, it you know, unless mm. you're already living your life and know what you're supposed to be doing. But if you feel like you're just like out here and just wandering, the problem that I had that I'm really now coming to realize that there was some point in life that I lost sight of the fact that I could change the world. Wow. My vision got cloudy. It wasn't clear. My lenses were dirty. I couldn't see where I was going. I lost sight of where I was going. I gave what stopped up. You? Talk, us up, talk to us about what stopped you. What were like some practical things that, that made you lose sight of that? One of the biggest things was aligning myself with people who didn't have my best interests at heart and they had selfish motives for being around me. What do you mean? What do you mean? So I have a certain set. I have a certain skill set. Um, I was going to go into my taking line, but I won't do that. I have a certain skill set. I'm good at certain things. And people recognize and realize that. And they find it easy to take advantage of me once they pretend that they're my friend. Huh. Um, or once it seems as if they love me. And so I've been played over and over and over and over and again in life by people who appeared to say, hey, man, come alongside. Let's do, let's do, let's do, let's do. And all they wanted to do was win. 
when me and mine. I wanna win, 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 no matter what. Exactly. Got money in my mind. You know what I'm saying? And I was the one giving my all, and they reaped all the benefits. And so after being in those situations over and over and over again, I felt like I was the problem. I felt mm. like, man, like, like, bro, like, I keep striking out. Like, man, whatever I got going on, it lasts for a little while. Everything's all good, and then it just goes away. Um, and not putting things in proper perspective, right? I didn't have the my my destiny was tied into other people's opinion of me, others people promoting me, other people putting me on a pedestal, other people bringing me along. Remember, I told you along when we first started this. I was I was a professional sidekick, bro. Like when I, wow. you know, what I'm saying that was life goals, right? Wow. And once I realized, like, yo, like, wait a minute, man, why am I putting my life into to the hands of other people? Why am I limiting my success? Why am I limiting my destiny to what other people, like somebody else putting me on? You know, maybe, maybe it's gang culture and growing up in that situation, like I was waiting to get put on, wait for the big homies to beat me down or put me on the set. But like my, my destiny was tied to somebody else putting me on. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? And so in, 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 in taking on that worldview and, and taking on that, that mantra of life, I lost sight of the fact that, bro, me individually, the things that I have, the gifts that I have, the talents that I have, what I have to give to the world, bro, like, like I don't need a co-signer, bro. The only co-signer I need is God, bro. That's, That's right. the only co-signer I need, man. And and when, like I said, when I lost my, my vision, when I lost my way, when my vision got cloudy, um, I, I didn't fight to find my way back. And that was the biggest problem. I was just coasting. I was just floating. Man, you, you, you have people, maybe your family's different, but I have family that like being in jail. Because hmm. in jail, they know where their meals are coming from. They know they got That's a right. roof over their head. They know they don't have the responsibilities. They have to take care of their kids, paying bills, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's easier to be in prison, bro. And for me, all these years, when I lost sight of, of me, lost sight of my destiny, when I didn't have a success worldview, it was easy for me to float. Because I didn't have to be responsible. I didn't have Ooh. to burn. I didn't have to burn the midnight oil. I didn't have to put myself out there and 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 take risk. I didn't have to do none of that. And I could just lay back, collect a check. I've had plenty of jobs bro, where I was just collecting checks, where I was just sitting around, right. where I was just doing whatever, not fulfilling my destiny because it was easier to do that. Hold on, listen. Or regurgitating everything the leader said. Come on. Or regurgitating everything the tribe said. JP, I, I think one of the things that to me that is the most challenging is. Part of embracing a success worldview is becoming uncomfortable with comfort, right? Mm, yes, yes, it's like yes. I have to be uncomfortable with safety and with comfort in such a way that it causes me to do things that I've never done to accomplish things that I've always wanted. And I think probably the most sober moment for me is when I realized that I was too easily put in place, right? Mm, so th this yeah. is how it works. Let me just be very transparent. I'm a verbal processor. So I speak. I speak to think. Mm -hmm. I'm not just talking, right? Mm -hmm. And I would let, you know, leaders, people who I admire, love, I would do good in their thing, whatever it is, corporation, profit, nonprofit, chair, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. They would notice, oh man, this thing is growing. People are excited about it. Because you seem to bring a certain energy, right? Yeah. I will come to a place where that gift would not just be contained and people are excited and coming, then I would become more visible in that space. Like, oh, this is undeniable, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then it would grow into, I would then desire to want to do something that was off script from the program. Mm -hmm. 
And when that happened, I would always feel that leader, person, individual, or individuals put me back into my place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted to do was help it. I was like, no, we could do this thing. Like that thing you say you want to do, I hear you. Let's do this. Let's expand it. And in order to do so, in order to put me back in my place, right? So that I would then have to look inside. And I'm not saying that you don't need to spend a season of serving to gain awareness and humility and sobriety. So I, I, I want to be very clear about that, that there are seasons that we all have to spend in the sobriety of service to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But in order to quelch any desire that went beyond, I would hear this, oh man, you're arrogant. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So arrogance is when you are void of a the reality that you need others. Arrogance is the belief that somehow you can do this without God. Arrogance is the belief. And, and so what, what I realized was that that's the ace. That's the ace that people can play to put you back in your place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they may not say it flat out to you. They may just say, oh, man, I feel like you're doing too much or, you know, whatever. Because what it does is instead of you being able to take that skill, refine it and grow it and groom it to mature it more, you then become conditioned to believe something's wrong with me. I guess I need to kill it. Mm. I need to bump it down. I need to kill it. No matter how great it is, I need to kill it. And so what I would say is part of this worldview is beginning to gain a self-awareness so that you do not need, um, you're not deflated by criticism and you're not puffed up by by compliment. Mm -hmm. I'll say that again, right? Part of the success worldview is learning how to be so self-aware, not self-conscious, that you're not deflated by criticism, nor are you puffed up by compliment, right? Because you really are coming into who you are. So it doesn't matter if you're in a for-profit, non-profit, you're in a marriage or whatever. You are in those things in a journey, discovering who you are through difficulty, through conflict, through service. But as you gain those things, it's not something that can be taken away because somebody's upset with you. Mm. Mm. And that's our problem in these things in some part is that we will allow people to have aught, frustration, tensions with us. And then when they decide at their moment, they can take that away. Guess what? You're no longer the best and the brightest, JP. Mm. Mm. So you trying to, you're just trying to traumatize me right now. Is that that's Go what you you just trying Go to ahead. take? Go I, I, I have to I have to help the people out. I, I, they, they pay me to help them out. Go ahead, that's bro. It, bro. So listen, and, and, and part of what you're saying, what's the beauty of this whole? Well, part of what I would like to, the message I would like to convey, is that in understanding the lens, understanding our worldview, understanding that some things need to change is that sometimes we have to take a step back. And I know you didn't ask me for this, but this is where, where I'm going with this. Go ahead. Is that we have to understand and sit down and talk with somebody and really process through how our, potentially how our past trauma, or maybe even just the way we were brought up or the way we were raised, affects our worldview as adults, right? Hmm. Um, and what I mean by that, I go back to the example of my wife and not having the idea 
that she was here, that she was going to be a part of my life, that she was going to be permanent, and I should treat her as such. Because part of my trauma is that I've had people come and go in and out of my life all my life. My parents get divorced when I'm like 13, 14. A little bit before that, my best friend just came to my house one day and was like, hey, bro, I got to go live with my dad in Arkansas. We live in California. Like, I was just playing with you an hour ago. You came to my house, gave me your Game Boy and a bunch of toys. Like, oh, bro, I'll never see you again. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I've buried countless friends over and over and over and over and over again, um, all being murdered, all being gunned down, leaving my life. And I had the same expectation from my wife. My past trauma said, hey, she might be here. She might not be here. She could be here today, gone tomorrow. Don't get too close. Keep her at arm length. Make sure she doesn't get too close to your heart so that when she leaves, because they all leave, everybody always leaves, you won't be heartbroken and devastated, right? So my worldview, the way things have been done to me, the trauma that I received at the hands of my parents and this and that and blah, 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 put me Good. in such a place that when I got to marriage, I was like, bruh, nothing is forever. And I treated Good. it as such, right? And even understanding like when it comes to, like I mentioned before, how I, how you view conflict and how you view peace will set you up for failing when it comes to addressing conflict and peace. And, and, and as we've talked about before, in my neighborhood, in your neighborhood, being peaceful was, was a sucker move. That's Trying exactly to avoid right. conflict was a punk move. So growing up, my worldview set me up for failure because, hey, when it's time to get down, it's time to get down. The Bible's clear about being a peacemaker. The Bible's clear about, about living peacefully uh, among, amongst all men, right, as, as much as within you. And for me, that's completely contrary to how I grew up. So my worldview was wrong. My worldview was skewed. And I had to change my worldview, even though it was rooted in trauma, even though it was rooted up in the, the neighborhood Ooh. I grew up in. I have to be, like, intentional about setting myself up with, with a success worldview, which that's means... It had to undo a lot of the stuff. I had to change my behaviors and I had to sit down and talk with somebody and, and, and get to know myself a little better. That's right. So listen, so part of what I'm hearing you say is success worldview sometimes demands that you grieve that thing that you that has always been normal and was not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you have to learn how to grieve that. Man, I have walked a lot of people out of these faith cults and I have had to say to them, hey, listen, part of what you're going to need to do is you need to grieve. You need to agree. Listen, you need to celebrate what was good about it, but you're going to have to grieve. And I think one of the reasons why I probably am more um, empathetic towards some of these hyper paternalistic faith organizations and faith communities is because, JP, it's so difficult to lead. Yeah. Right. You think you think that the leader's displeasure with you is God's displeasure with you. Yes. And that's not yes. true. Yes. And, and And that's not true at all. Right. Like. That person is just a man. They're just a man. That's all they are. Never forget that either, right? But Mm -hmm. you have to grieve that. Or maybe you need to grieve. Maybe it's not that. Maybe you need to grieve the way your parents did relationship. Maybe your parents, you know, maybe there's a codependency there, Mm -hmm. you know, and it looked like on the outside they have a good marriage and relationship. But maybe, just maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe they live with similar traumas that you do. Right. And that they have a very fear-driven relationship where there is not this mutual respect, joy, and love. They're just trying to stay together in order to sustain a a unhealthy codependency. So part of success worldview is celebrating things that have been good, that have been helpful, that keep you moving forward for where you are. 
but also being able to grieve the things that could have been toxic, traumatizing, unhelpful mm-hmm. um, as you place them in those in those ways. And so one of the ways you can do that is by reading, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I listen to this. Please read. Biographies are huge. Read on the, the areas that you want to be successful. So if you want to be successful in robotics, read books on robotics. If you want to be successful in software and programming, read books on that. If you want to be successful in marketing, read books in the areas that you desire to see change and growth so that as you are pursuing maybe building a career or building a marriage or building friendships, it's done not just from this intuition, it's done through intentionality, right? And so that's what I would say is is two of the practical things, grieve and then read. What would you say, JP, are some practical ways people can begin to gain that success worldview? Bro, the one thing, if 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 people listen, one thing, go ahead, just, one. Look, listen, man. If if the people haven't been hearing what I'm saying, you have to be intentional about one, knowing that your worldview is screwed. It's messed mm. up. Like it, it's it's everybody, bro. Like it, it, it's the way we view things is problematic until we get things in proper perspective. And unless you're one of those people that just got it like that and you've just been blessed with this gift to, to every way you see things and, and the, the way life has handed you your, your, your hand and dealt you your cards, everything's perfect, you have to understand there is something. There is a chink in the armor somewhere. And in order to have a success worldview, you have to, like we've talked about all the time, you have to, you have to look into, you have to pay attention to, you have to sit with somebody and assess where is it that you're seeing things from the wrong angle? Where is it that you're seeing things from the wrong perspective? Where is it that your, your past trauma, the way you were raised, the neighborhood you grow in, how has that affected you in such a way that your lens is foggy, that you have rose-colored glasses, that you have tinted glasses? And once you begin to process through that, once you begin to work through that, once you begin to undo those wrong things, those, those seeds that were planted in you, then you begin the work of figuring out, okay, now how do I be the person that I desire to be? How do mm. I get the worldview that I want, right? How do I have, how do I put myself in, in, in such a way, in such a situation where my sense of destiny and where I'm going is rooted in what's in the best interest for me, not making somebody else rich, not working somebody Ooh. else's job, not elevating someone else's platform, but how do I do things for me so that I grow and develop and I'm able to pass on a legacy to my future generations? Um, and, and, and it just all starts with recognizing and realizing that, yes, we are broken. Yes, we have issues. Yes, we have problems. But our lens can be fixed. Our vision can be fixed. And it doesn't have to be blurry always. Good, good. Yeah, so if you're listening, there's a lot. I mean, there's even more to say even to that. And uh, if you're listening, you're saying, man, I need a little bit more help. JP, where would you say that people can go if they need a little bit more help? Yeah, they need to go to that buildabetterus.com. Find out um, how to get involved by going to the tab that says get involved. Check out a life coach, man, and let your let your life be changed. Let your world get rocked. Um, sit down with somebody, have a conversation, and understand with one of those life coaches how you can get a worldview that sets you up for success. Good. Yeah, if, if you're listening, please make sure you can follow me at BJ116, and you can follow JP where? C. John Roar, S-E-E-J-O-N-R-O-A-R. Also, make sure you leave us a, a rating and a comment. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you leave us a, a review. I'm on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, 
Um, and share your favorite episode online. Tag us at BJ116, see John Roar, and I'll make sure I send you something special. Um, and as always, our job is to help you become a better you so that we can become a better us. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast. This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.